0: welcome to this episode of her vision podcast today we have guest reggie ford He's the author of Perseverance Through Severe Dysfunction, Breaking the Curse of Intergenerational Trauma as a Black Man in America. He's also an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, a mental health advocate, and a social activist. He's a first-generation college graduate of Vanderbilt University. He runs Rose Creek Wealth Management and speaks to audiences about financial empowerment, overall wellness, and the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and accessibility. Ford lives in Nashville, Tennessee with his wife, Kate, and their Rottweiler, Rosie. I'm so excited to have a good friend of mine, Reggie Ford, on this episode, and he's going to be talking about perseverance through severe dysfunction. Reggie, thank you so much for being on today. We really appreciate it. He is our first male guest, so very special. How has your journey made you who you are today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say thank you, Sydney. I'm honored to be on the pod, but but definitely honored to be the first male guest. So thank you so much for having me. It's a huge honor. It's one of those things where I look at my life in in the collective today and all the things like it doesn't even add up, like, you know, from point A to point Z, it has been all over the place, ups, downs, goods, bads. And, you know, taking a snapshot of, of where I started at birth, and and looking at where i am today it's a miracle and so you know i just i look at i look at it all and and i'm i'm thankful for it all you know as 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 hard as it's been to go through some of the stuff that i've experienced you know the 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 pain of losing loved ones the pain of you know being hurt by loved ones and and all of that it, it's made me who i am um and, you know that didn't come without sacrifices. It didn't come without tears and blood and all that. But um, I think all of that just makes you a stronger person. I'm, I'm here today to talk about it.
0: For sure. That's great. What are some of those, you know, traumas and things that you talk about specifically in your book coming out soon that are just severe dysfunction that you've been through and specifically how have those who you are today?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I can start, you know, my mom was 14 when she had me. Right. So just poverty and, and teen pregnancy alone was just uh, a, a hard thing to deal with because there are times when we didn't have food, we didn't have things to eat. Like as a developing baby, you know, these things are starting to affect my brain and my physical. And I I, I didn't realize that until later. And so the life of poverty and crime and, and living in the hood it was it, it became normal. So I didn't look at it as trauma for so long, but. One of, the thing, one of the earliest things I can remember, and I haven't shared this with, you know, nearly anybody, but um, I was four years old when we moved from my grandmama's house to my mom's finally getting her first place. And, and we were staying uh, with some with some family members and, you know, in that neighborhood, you know, playing around with the kids. I'm, I'm four years old. Right. And uh, this girl just like she's like six, seven, takes me aside and, and you know, starts to tell me where to touch her, kiss me here, do this, do that, do that. And as a, as a kid, I'm, I'm like, I don't really know how to feel, but as, as life went on, I started telling that story from a sense of pride because of the wor- the way our society is built to make that seem like a cool thing. But no, I was fucking four years old and, and her, I mean, she was six or seven, like what was going on in her world mm-hmm. to where she felt that that was normal and, uh, or, or that that was okay. So I just, you know, that was one that when I look at my relationship with women and how it's been since um, since then, you know, I I, I look at that as like, damn, that had a huge impact on, on me and something that I had glorified for so long. But really just just trash, honestly, for me and uh, really just shaped the way that I thought about sexuality and sex and all that just in a whole different way, you know, going through that, like my dad spent spend tons of time in prison throughout my childhood, nearly, you know, I I didn't see my dad much at all. As much as I love my dad. Like I was like, he's the best person in the world. I, you know, put him on this pedestal, but I also carry so much hate and resentment toward him. And like, how could you, you know, you ain't here to raise me, my brothers, and none of that. Like, who who are you? Like, you ain't never a real man. But at the same time, you know, loving this dude, you know, that came out in, and just so much aggression. I was short-tempered, I was really short-tempered and it would be, I could be the happiest person in one moment, and then blow up the next. Something would trigger me. No, I didn't know what it was, but it was like, okay, that triggered my trust issues, that triggered this and that, and, and that reminded me of that time. And so, um, you know, I was blowing up on people. I was, I was just, I was an angry, angry, angry kid, angry young man, honestly. Um, but yeah, like, you know, growing up without a dad is, is is tough. And a lot of people have to experience that. And I, I wish that, you know, that just wasn't the case. Things that that I look back now that I didn't even feel were traumatizing, that that certainly were. I was hurt through all of that. You know, as a kid, you're like, all right, in order to get the education, in order to play for this cool football team, in order to do all this stuff, I got to endure this stuff. You know, the trauma from my past still haunts me. You know, the, the relationships that I've had with my family members, my and, and people that I love, they're they're still there. My mom and my dad, you know, being relationships that I that I cherish dearly, but they are no longer there mm-hmm. as as of right now. Mm-hmm. And I haven't I haven't spoken to either of them in she probably two years, mainly due to, to uh, I think unreasonable expectations of me. Um and then and and I've I've extended grace as well because I, I probably have some unreasonable expectations because I don't know everything that they've been through right mm-hmm. and um but you know hurtful shit real hurtful stuff that you know being told that you wish you had aborted me and things like that from my mom and and the most uh deceptive and and manipulative behaviors from my dad which you know I've seen that That same behavior toward other people, uh, but it was never directed at me. And, you know, uh, it is one of the hardest things that I deal with, continue to deal with. It never stops. You just evolve and you got to learn how to work through it.
0: Knowing you, it's amazing to see just the man you are today. I didn't know you then, um, but seeing all the things that you've accomplished and how strong and genuine you are and kind and how was that path to Vanderbilt? And then what did you learn from, you know, accomplishing some of these amazing goals that you've set and then continue to do?
1: You know, one big thing for me is I just want to, I want to stay home. I want to be close to my siblings who are much younger than me. And um, so uh, but yeah, like the trend, like all of that, I think, it just helped. It set me up for, um, for success and 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 recognize or, or, and being able to persevere through the failure, um, that you may get. You know, college was the first time that I I received a a, a what I would consider a bad grade. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know. But <laughs> it was it wasn't like the end of the world. You know, I seen some of my classmates get a B and freak the hell out, and it's just like, man, like life goes on. You know. Right. So I think you know the stuff that I went through definitely helped me. Just like you know look at things in a different light and never dwell on the negatives because you know I shit I'm, I'm sitting here in a classroom with with you know this is easy life right here I ain't I ain't ducking the no bullets I ain't doing like you know this is easy life going to business school working in corporate America and all that like it was great you know I was I was hitting all these these milestones and I was always numb to to the accomplishments
0: I can see but, how you, you help people a lot. You're very compassionate. And I think that that's something that's clearly very important to your career in every area of your life.
1: Absolutely. Like, I, I think sometimes people don't really know what, what intentions you have because not everybody is that way, mm-hmm. right? And, and so like, when I, look at, when I look at people, when I look at you know, younger folks coming up or, or just people who are being marginalized, whatever it may be, it's like, I want to fight for you. And I want to help you and I want to give you opportunities that you may not get otherwise. That's been something that I, I've had to to grow into. But as I started to think for myself and look at myself, it's like my struggles are, are different from the outside. But like, you know, and these things we all dealing with. And so, you know, as a black man, I'm being challenged because I am a black man. Oftentimes, and so you know, looking at the world from that perspective, it's like I gotta fight for all these people because we are all people, and you know, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of our DNA is, is is the same, and we just we just package a little differently.
0: For sure, I love that. How have you, you know, I made that mission with, within your company?
1: My business, Rose Creek Wealth Management, the name come derives from you know the the metaphor of the rose that grows out of ca- a crack in the concrete, and and to see that story, to see the rose grow, is, it, is, it is a perceived impossibility. You know, it doesn't have good light, doesn't have good soil, doesn't have, you know, proper water and all that, but it perseveres. It comes through, it comes out of that adversity and, uh, and shines and is beautiful. And so, you know, I think that's a testament to my story um, and, you know, many of my clients as well. I work with professional athletes who oftentimes have that same story or a similar version of that story. I work with first generation, you know, whatever it may be, doctors, lawyers and things like that because they are dealing with a lot of the same thing, same challenges, the same family dynamics that that I dealt with, that a lot of people deal with, giving guidance from a financial wellness standpoint to people who may not always get that opportunity to have, you know, high quality, competent financial services. And and to do it from a a level of understanding of what your whole life looks like. You know, I'm not just looking at returns. It's like, okay, returns plus life, plus emotions, plus family, plus all this other stuff that you're dealing with because it's not that simple. I can't speak 100% logic to a person who's emotional and we're all emotional, Mm -hmm. right? And So if I say, look, it's going to be the most logical thing is to put all your money right here and do it like this and do it like that. It's like, yeah, it makes sense on paper, but I'm dealing with this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like definitely taking an approach of, of, of catering to the whole person, um, but with a with a strong emphasis on educating, because I think one of the greatest disservices we do in our education system and in our world is leave people in the blind about financial concepts and financial knowledge. Definitely. It's something that we're, we definitely all need. I feel like I'm, I'm an educator and helping bridge that gap that our education system didn't didn't help us with
0: but how have you not let your trauma define who you are i know we talked about therapy before yeah
1: for sure like some of the tools like like if we're going all the way back like because like even when i was entrenched in the trauma and everything like i was still grinding i was still persevering through it so like you know one thing that i one thing that i did was just just internalize everything and i used the bullshit to Uh, Create this fire in me. So anytime somebody said I can't, anytime somebody pissed me off, anytime you know, all right, bet I'm gonna go get it. I'm gonna go do it, and that was keeping me going. Uh, But it was so much anger (laughs) attached to that, right? Like I'm using I'm using this this negative emotion to to drive me instead of just looking. It's like is what it is. So that was one thing, you know, from from most of my childhood, early adulthood, is is just that internalizing of of the anger and the pain. I've always been extremely great at compartmentalizing waking up in the hood going to my high school and then you know going back and it's like I can't carry that with me to this place or it's gonna it's gonna bleed over and it's gonna make me you know not as productive mm-hmm. and same vice versa I can't bring it back and, and and so like I just got really really good at compartmentalizing and it's like you know how was your week mm, I gotta go look at my calendar because I don't even remember my week and uh so so yeah it's uh is it's a good and bad thing at times but but like you said therapy mm-hmm. therapy in multiple forms yeah therapy. I know
0: that you're now a new <laughs> yoga instructor so. oh
1: yeah for sure yeah just this past weekend I uh, got certified <laughs> as a yoga instructor
0: Congrats.
1: thank you thank you yoga has been a, a part of my off. life yeah been a part of my life for the last about five years and um had a huge impact on me just initially started as a physical you know treatment to to some uh, nagging injuries that I had from football and things like that but then it grew into this you know spiritual and, and and just emotional and and all this other stuff that really helped me tap into who I am but yeah therapy from from yoga therapy with with writing I've been writing my whole life and not even known you know like I I wrote songs I would write short stories when I when I started to to write my book. When I was I was journaling through, and my grandmother had been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer, and I was like, man, I gotta find some kind of outlet. So I was just every day like, all right, Grandma did this today. She's not acting the same. Blah blah blah. And I copied and pasted you know all the journals after she had passed away. Maybe six months later, and it was like sixty pages worth of stuff. And so much happened, like literally, like this was the the falling out between me and you know my parents and things like that and it was like all just happening all at the same time just start uh, I was you know just starting the business not too far in and all of my emotions and everything that I couldn't say out loud or couldn't portray to the world it was all in there it's crazy because I went back and uh looked through like some old google docs and google drives things like that and I had these like short stories from periods of my life I was like I was gonna be great in the book you know (laughs) so I just started like putting all this stuff in there and uh and just start building around it. And, you know, so writing, and I, I write music too. Uh, and I still do it to this day. I share it with, you know, a few people, but it's it's more for me than anything. I, didn't, I avoided therapy for a long time. And I wish I hadn't, you know, I didn't start therapy until after my grandmother died. I was about 27 years old. And uh, it was definitely needed long before that. And once I started, it was like weights lifted off my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something different about having a professional who is trained at asking the right questions at re- recognizing your your responses and knowing how to probe deeper like it's it's something powerful about that
0: exactly no it's so true and First of all, I have to say, I wonder what's up with Fandy football guys being super creative because I got (laughs) to win writing songs. I mean, it's just awesome that you guys are so much more than an athlete and, you know, have been doing that your whole life to now see how it's coming out in the book. I'm sure it's really neat.
1: Yeah. Shout out. Shout out. You mentioned way back, way back when uh, Summer Juice. Check that out.
0: I know he's going to be on here later on in the podcast. So dig that. Yes. How do we break the curse of intergenerational trauma? Um, I know that this is, again, something you're going to address in your book, and it's a real issue. And you know, if you want to talk about it in general or specifically to um, the Black communities and people of color.
1: I was entrenched in the trauma. I was entrenched in the pain. And, and so I didn't even have the awareness to, to be able to see it. Luckily for me, I, I was exposed to different worlds and different opportunities. So I was, I was an outsider looking in a lot of times on the trauma and looking like, oh, dang, that's what I'm going through. That's what my life is like, and so, but like you know, a lot of people don't have that opportunity. But if if through the way that I I love how so many celebrities now are are being open and vocal about their uh, struggles with with mental health and and mm-hmm. things like that, but building awareness and recognizing, you know, my book is broken up into kind of three big sections. The first is normalization, and that's me as a child, young child, just like entrenched in everything. The second is is realization, you know, I got out and I was able to, to see like, OK, the the, the behaviors and the, the mental health and the reactions that I thought were normal, they actually weren't, you know, that this this all these things are, are abnormal. And then and then finally, like the, the liberation and the, and the freedom part of it all is finding that peace. Uh, but but I think the real work is done in, the, in that realization up to liberation part where I've been introduced to adverse childhood experiences, the study on ACEs is what they're called. And, and I had never thought about this stuff. I, mean, I, ain't, I ain't sitting here making a checklist of all the traumatizing things that I've been through, but I did it and uh, I had nine uh, out of 10 ACEs, you know, and- well, initially, I thought I had nine. It affects your health. I initially thought I had nine, but the 10th the one was was the sexual trauma because I had always glorified that, that experience and other experiences as I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old with women and, and girls that are a lot older than me and things like that, that I didn't know what I was doing. Like, you know, I was like, wow, I checked that box too. And I just, I had just, I had informed it. I hadn't put it in the sense of trauma. Just knowing that and realizing that now I can start to make changes in my life, changes in my in my behavior, in my health, and in, in the way that I eat and the way that I I work out and things like that. Just because I think the realization of it is, is is crucial. And then it's imperative that 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 we change the narrative. We go through stuff that we often try to say that because of that, that's how I'm gonna be. And and it just defined like I'm traumatized, so I'm gonna be an angry person, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. It's like Nah, you can change that narrative. You can rewrite your story. You can rewrite it absolutely. And and uh, you know, one crazy thing is, I I, I read this uh, I read this book of meditations every day. It's called Journey to the Heart by Melody Beattie. And today, uh, like literally today, the the post was on or the the meditation was on uh, how you have the power to redefine your world. It's so like you got the choice to do all these things. And so I think with realization of what's going on then it gives you the, the option to see those choices. When we when we look at how racism plays a role in mental health, how now we know this stuff, you know, there are documentaries, there are books, they're all this stuff. Now what are we going to do about it?
0: You know, it can be really difficult, but I think when you do recognize it, you also are able to somewhat move forward from it. Absolutely. How can white people come along, people of color, um, and love and support them? I know that this is just a deep topic, but it's really important. Yeah,
1: I mean that's a that's a question. That's a big <laughs> question.
0: Yeah, <the> whole <laughs> Same
1: tokens like awareness, building that awareness and building relationships that you may not have always had, and in and doing so in a genuine way. Like you you going up to a random black person and saying, Hey, I wanna be your friend, like that's not gonna help. Like, but um, But, you know, building awareness. So now that you are you are conscious of the mistreatment or the the trauma that a black person faces, a lot of it is similar to the trauma that that you may face. And, you know, like my sister and you probably face a lot of the same traumas. But then on top of that, her identity as a black woman. And so understanding that, uh, I think, is, is critical. Accepting people like again, going back to, you know, just like. Our identities, like we we have no control over what we were born like, what what our sexuality is, none of that. And so, accepting people for who they are, the world did that. You know, there'd be there'd be a lot more people with fewer traumatic experiences, and having conversations like this. You know, 2020 was a shit year, and it was even bleeding into 2021, honestly. But it showed a lot of like their lack of character that. Is within our country, but I think one thing that it did do was was open up a conversation that needed to be had. I'm I'm excited and hopeful that you know through these conversations, the next step is action. People empowered that can really change the way that things have been written into the fabric of our culture and and society for so long to really make real changes. Like yesterday, I was sitting down with with the head of of this. accounting firm here in town. And he's telling me, you know, I read, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 books uh, since, you know, George Floyd's passing in, and, and it opened my eyes to different things. And so now from hiring perspective, from how we're even communicating with our, our employees and clients and everything like that, to which companies we, or which nonprofits we're donating to, to all this, these real actionable things, you know, it's one thing to say, Damn, it's fucked up that we got mass incarceration. But what are we doing about it? Exactly. You know, how how are the laws changing? How are the how are the sentencings changing? Things like that. You know, just just building that awareness and then then putting the real action behind it and putting money behind it.
0: Exactly. And I like to go back to something that you said with just being genuine and having these genuine conversations. Um, I think is really important. It may have just started with, oh, we need to have a diversity um, initiative within our company to how, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just a we need to have, it's a I care about this issue and right. this is why we need to roll this out. And here's actually the best way to do it because we care. There, It's different. And a lot of companies have been having diversity initiatives because it's a quota. Um, yeah. But now I, I pray and I hope that it has um, genuine care for people of color, for black people and what they've gone through um, and what they're continuing to go through, that actually is just a genuine love. Like we've talked about, it's it's in the heart and it's in the home. I think that, you know, it starts starting with conversations, I think, you know, as somebody, that's why I want to start these in my home um, into people that I've heard comments in the past that are not okay. And um, Mm -hmm. having those conversations with people I love is really important and it's difficult, but it's one of those things that we have got to start doing.
1: Absolutely. I I love what you say. It It starts at the home. It definitely does. One of the things that I experienced in in eighth grade when I started at the private school was racist comments, and I didn't really know where I could go to to talk about it. And, you know, uh, it wasn't until recently that I was telling a teacher that I had about some of those things. Her response was, uh, "Well, they were young; they didn't know." It's like. I was old enough to do a, know a lot of shit. That shouldn't be no no excuse. And and so if we using that as an excuse, then we need to be looking at the family and looking at the, like, what are you doing? How are you raising this kid? Yeah. And if you are raising this kid a certain way, then why are you into the school? Like, this is a great school to be in. Like, we, we pride ourselves on this. We pride ourselves on that. Stuff.
0: Exactly. It really does. And I mean, for our listeners, I haven't shared too much, but, you know, my family adopted um, my younger brother and he's biracial. And I think growing up um, in a home with, you know, loving somebody who's not my skin color has really uh, changed my perspective from a young age. I remember AJ was little and I saw racism um, towards him and I was like, no, not okay, because I love this boy who, you know, we had since pretty much birth. And so, Seeing it through his eyes was really challenging for us, got us to care about things that in our white neighborhood, we really would not have. And um, for me, I picture everybody like the one I love and think, man, if somebody ever said that about him, I would fist up ready to go (laughs) because I love him so much. So. You know, it, that has just been an experience I'd like to share because it's really changed my perspective and made me want to have more relationships that challenge me because it takes me out of my privilege to really see what other people go
1: through. Wow. Like, thank you for sharing that. And this is the the Her, Her Vision podcast. And I'll I'll, I'll I'll use that same kind of in a different in a different uh, aspect was like women when I saw sexual abuse or saw you know just just things, I'm like fuck that because that could have been my sister that could have been my mama that could have even that was challenged for me like somebody challenged me on that it was like she's her own self as well and she doesn't have to be related to or belonging to someone in order to be loved in order to be treated right and I think the same thing is like You were blessed and and fortunate enough to have this little brother that really gave you perspective. But, you know, we can find perspective without having that relationship. And I think we ought to, you know, I I, I can go through life and not have a white friend. I can go through life and not have a gay friend and still love white people and still love gay people and still love women and still, you know, old people, whatever it may be. Just building that perspective is like, you know, that is a person with a, with a, with a soul like mine, with a heart like mine, with, with hopefully a future big and bright, and I got to love him for that.
0: Exactly. That's awesome, Reggie. Okay, so last question, um, just to wrap it up. And I do want you to plug your book that's coming soon. Um, but what advice do you have to young men and women who have faced similar challenges? So they continue to have hope for the future after going through trauma. And maybe it's from the past or maybe they're currently going through it.
1: The book, Perseverance Through Severe Dysfunction, PTSD, the subtitle, Breaking the Curse of Intergenerational Trauma as a Black Man in America. I, I wrote the dedication. Of Um, To those who are battling scars that the world may never see know that you are not alone and know that you are always loved Mm -hmm. and that is a message to that are dealing with things and may feel invisible and may feel all the pain and hurt and feel like they're the only ones dealing with it right now. You aren't in this alone. Again, going back to some of the, the tools that are in the toolbox of getting through some of the challenging times is you got to build a community around you that that is supportive of you know, your growth and your happiness. And so f- surrounding yourself with people who really care about you know, your, your growth and your future, tomorrow is going to be better than today. And no matter what the struggle is of today, no matter how hard it hurts, no matter how many tears I shed. Like, I know tomorrow's going to be better. You will persevere and and go get a therapist. <laughs> and shout out to, to, you know, all the companies that are making it, all the companies, the, the hospitals and, and everything that are making it easier and, and cheaper and more affordable for people to seek mental health treatment. I, it needs to be, you know, just something that we all get. Uh, it has a huge impact on on people. On lives. We've seen a lot of lives lost to it. If you wanna keep keep up with my progress with the book, the book should be out later this year. But um Instagram, Reggie D Ford, uh, Twitter, Reggie D Ford, Facebook, Reggie D Ford FB, Reggie D Ford.com.
0: Thank you so much for sharing and being vulnerable and um, for everything that you've gone through and who you are. Um, we just appreciate you and our listeners are definitely gonna be able to relate. So thank you so much for being on.
1: Thank you, Sydney. I appreciate it. Been an honor. (music)